0: He's five six, one sixty three. Uh, 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 How big uh, can he possibly be? Uh. Welcome into another episode of the Five Foot Nothing, Hundred Nothing podcast. I'm your host. And I am. Five for nothing, a hundred nothing. All right, guys and gals, I'm back one day later. And we're going to preview Notre Dame versus USC. And um, I've been on Twitter this morning, I've been off today. And uh, USC's got me a little ready to rock and fucking roll. I'll tell you that much right now. Cheers, everyone. Golly, I tell you what though, I, I should try that more often. And get right before I'm about to record, just go on Twitter and start arguing with the opposing fan base, and they get you real heated. It's ooh, I'm gonna have fun with this one. But first, I got to talk about Kenny Minchie quickly, because we also got Q and A's to get to at the end. Regisant always coming in with with the heat. We had minimal. People submitting questions, but multiple questions by one person made it all worth the while. We're gonna get there. But Kenny Minchie, real quick, officially committed to the University of Notre Dame. I don't, there's he's he's ours. There's no way he's going anywhere. Sunday days around the corner. There's some other recruits we'd like to make sure stick with us. Looking at you, Peyton Bowen. You know, we'll see. <clears throat> but Minchie's commitment puts Notre Dame as the number three ranked recruiting class for 2023. Now, again, that's not official until we get these kids signed. like that actually sign with Notre Dame. It's all great and grand and wonderful, and I'll post all about it that we're a top three class right now. But we've got to sign the kids. And there's a lot of uncommitted that are going to be your uh, quote-unquote hat flippers, and that's going to skew the number. So, will Notre Dame stay at three? Unlikely. Honestly. Let's be real, guys. We're, I I feel like it was six. I think six is a good number. You know, I think we're going to get jumped by LSU. Then you're going to get people going, look, see, Brian Kelly can recruit. What the fuck are you talking about? Well, not really. It's pretty easy to recruit and be the lazy Brian Kelly. When you're in a state that has as much talent as LSU and being in the Southeastern Conference and all the other things that make it easy, like the, the effort doesn't have to be put in. What you're missing is you can focus on Brian Kelly having a better recruiting class at LSU than Marcus Freeman does at Notre Dame, but that's not the point. I, I'm i not stupid. I tell you that Brian Kelly should and probably will have a recruiting class better than Marcus Freeman in Notre Dame most years just by default. What Marcus Freeman is proving by being where he is currently ranked and Brian Kelly was never even close to this is that Brian Kelly was fucking lazy and all of his excuses about why you can't recruit at Notre Dame have just been debunked in less than a year. I was going to say a year but less than a year because Freeman was officially named the head coach in December. We're not even to December yet. And here we are. So, uh, we did get Kenny Michi. That's going to be huge. I've seen uh, somebody asked me does that is he how good is he? Is he come in start day 1 like week 1 next year in Dublin? Is he going to be the guy? I don't think he's that, <clears throat> but I will say based on what I've seen tape-wise and things if you read and have been said about him, there's not much of a, a challenge for him to be the backup week one. I mean, we've seen what Drew Pine is guys. Let's just, you know, he's not, he's not the guy. He's not going to be the guy, and it's not his fault. Like he, it's not his fault he can't throw a slant route. He's not tall enough to throw a slant route. Like it's sad. You can't throw a quick slant. It's going to get batted down, one hundred percent. Minchie, at least is starting uh, at 6'2". His starting point is already better. Um, but will he be the backup week one? If the current situation is what it is, where you got Buckner, Pine, Angeli, Minchie. I don't know what Angeli is, but again, based on what we've seen from Pine, if Angeli's not even getting a shot, I have questions on how good Angeli really is. Is that fair to him? Probably not, but I'm just gonna go you do an educated guess here. So there's that. With that, those four guys, I'd say Minchie has a very, very good chance of being the backup to Buckner day one. Do I want that to be the case? No, I do not. Because again, it goes back to what I said when I talked about Minchie decommitting and probably committing to Notre Dame is that you still need another quarterback that is going to actually challenge Buckner because I'm sorry, Pine ain't the guy. Maybe Angeli's looking like not the guy. And Minchie, I don't think... If he's ready to start week one, day one, fantastic. But what does that mean for Buckner? He was never that good or something. I I just don't know. I, here's what I do know. We still need a transfer quarterback who will be either the guy challenging Buckner and maybe win the job or, at minimum, the backup. Because we can't have this same situation. Because if we have a quarterback worth a damn to replace Buckner, and I'm sorry to say that about Drew Pine, but it is what it is. You can comment on how he's eight and one, and he's oh, it's amazing. Yeah, but like, come on, we're literally winning in spite of him, and damn near lost to Navy because of him, lost to Stanford because of him, and you could put some of that on Reese too. Uh, I we we've gone down that path multiple times on the show. The Stanford game is all about Reese. I'm sorry, you don't throw 27 times with Drew Pine when you got your two star running backs, Diggs and Sma, going for 17 and 114, averaging 6.7 yards per carry, but they only touch the ball 17 combined times. I'll say it again: 17 for 114 is exactly what Diggs did by himself against Clemson. So why are we not doing that against Stanford? That's a that's a Reese thing. But point being. We can't have this because we should have beat Marshall. We should have beat Stanford. And we're looking at a one-loss team going into Los Angeles against another one-loss team. And probably a top seven? I don't don't know what the number is. But a top ten matchup for sure. You know, and maybe even top five. Because Notre Dame notched a win against Clemson along the way, right? Played Ohio State really close. Who's number two in the country right now? So, You know, I, we can't, they can't, Minchie or Pine or Jelly cannot be the backup. Not because they're not, they shouldn't be a backup, they just, we need someone else behind Buckner or Buckner be the backup. It's an old, an old saying. Um, I'm going to relate to basketball because it's the easiest one for me to, like kind of, it stands out, I guess you could say, if you're basketball fans. And I'm not a huge NBA guy, but I follow it enough. When the Warriors acquired Andre Iguodala, he became their fourth best player. I think it was when they still had Durant too. So you had Steph, Durant, Draymond, Andre, and the the phrase that I'm getting at is when a guy like Andre Igudala is your fourth best player, you've got a really good team. If Andre Iguodala is your best player, eh, you're not the greatest. So I'm feeling like if Buckner is your backup. We've got a really good situation. If he's your starter, no promises. Because who's the backup? That's kind of what I'm getting at. And what Mitchie will be, I don't know. But I can say, even though his ratings look similar to Pines and everything else, the things that are being said about him, the film you can view online, go check it out, It just it looks better. It looks different. And that's a good thing. That's, that's what we want. That's what we need. We want it to look different. Because, again, it can't be what it was this year. It just... It can't. We can't do that again. Because we got similar uh, line, line of uh, games. I know we got Ohio State. I don't know the 23 schedule off the top of my head. I know we got Ohio State. There you go. We got at least that game. I don't know if we play Clemson again. And I think... It's a, not that it matters after this past season, but I think it's A M. Cause I, I know we played them at twenty four. I can't remember if it's twenty three and twenty four or twenty four and twenty five, but I know we got AM coming up. There a hey, who knows. But point being is there's some name brands on next year's schedule as well. And we can't afford to to have this situation. So I'm anxious to see what Minchie can do. I think he's going to be an early enrollee, which really helps. Because I think he was planning to enroll early at Pitt. And um, so if that was his intention, he's probably going to enroll early at Notre Dame, which will give him a leg up going into spring ball leading into next fall. We'll see. So that's big news, right? All right. Now that I've talked about that, let's get into... Notre Dame verse you can't spell suck without USC watch for the changes and try to keep up all right first things first this is a top 15 matchup and Notre Dame has a chance to knock off a top six team for the second time this year and I I'm not defending USC I'm not throwing shade necessarily at LSU but how LSU? Is five and USC is six. Definitely threw me off. Not gonna lie. I don't get it. Again, I'm not advocating. I'm not promoting. USC needs to be better, or uh, just whatever. Fact of the matter is, one team is nine and two, the other is ten and one. I don't understand why. Because you beat Alabama. That that means you're you're great and wonderful. But you lost to Florida State. Florida State's not good. And their other loss was, who did they just lose to? Why am I spacing? Uh, Tennessee. They got blown out by Tennessee, who just got blown out by South Carolina. So two losses are Tennessee, who, I don't want to call them frauds, but, like, what's up? And Florida State. And USC's only loss to this season is a one-point loss to Utah, who, if I remember correctly, didn't they go for two to win the game or something? Yeah, they went for two to win the game of 48 seconds ago. You lost by a converted two point conversion. I and I'm not saying USC schedule is great, Grant, but the fact of the matter is, same reason Notre Dame I heard some people go, Wow, how's Notre Dame fifteen? Look at their wins compared to Utah, Washington, Kansas State, Penn State. Like we got three losses. They don't. It's that simple. The the only team in Utah in front of us and Kansas State are the three lost teams that are in front of us Uh, and sorry Stanford happened it sucked it was awful Marshall happened those are 50 pound weights on our ankles holding us at the bottom of the fucking pool and we're trying to swim up is what it is the winds are great now if (laughs) if when we beat USC this weekend I feel like uh, those 50-pound weights will loosen a little bit, and maybe we can float a little bit to the top. But we need a lot of chaos to get to where people are talking about New Year's Six games and stuff like that. But we're 15. It don't matter. 15, 14, 13, 12. It's all the same. And realistically, for USC, five or six, it's all the same. If they're lucky enough to beat Notre Dame. They're gonna they at that point they'll jump LSU, no no questions asked. But they still need shit to happen. Well not necessarily. That's not true, because Ohio State and Michigan play each other. I feel like the loser of that, because they've had moments of not looking great, mostly Michigan, they should be out. Um the playoff. But I was just I was surprised USC wasn't number five. And they gave SEC bias out the ass to L S U. Because you beat Alabama this year. Ooh, we're so amazing. I don't understand it. But again, I don't give a shit about it. I, As we learned last week, I hate LSU. And I hate USC. So here we go. And I'll never forget, real quick, uh, tell this story. I've told it before. Maybe on this podcast. Maybe not. I don't know. I went to the... Was it ninety four or ninety five? He was ninety five. Notre Dame USC game. It was in South Bend, but it was just post OJ Simpson, or like I'm pretty sure it was ninety five. Anyway, I'm sitting and we're sitting where like the the USC bands in front of us, and uh, we were kind of close to the field, honestly, <clears throat> but there were a group of guys uh, <laughs> behind me and my dad, Notre Dame fans, and. Um, you'll hear it on Saturday if you pay close enough attention. There's—I uh, don't know if it's their fight song, if it's whatever it is. I don't know, but there's a tune USC band plays, and it goes da 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 And the guys behind us, every time it played, it was tremendous. They would just go slash 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 and stab slash and stab slash. Slash, slash, and stab, slash, and stab. It was amazing. I enjoyed every second of it. And I'm like, what, 10, 11 years old at the time, and I'm laughing my ass off. It's wonderful. Wonderful. So I don't like USC. I don't like LSU, but I found it odd that LSU was 5 and USC was 6. Whatever. USC is a a 5.5 point favorite in this game. What does that mean? Well, obviously you bet Notre Dame. It's on the road. They're underdogs. We've thrived in that environment. Um, I wouldn't bet Notre Dame though. I say I wouldn't. I want. It's Thanksgiving weekend. I want to enjoy the weekend. I'm I'm off. Start as of today. I want to enjoy. My food tomorrow and hang out Friday and roll into Saturday. I don't need money mucking up my my already emotion and this numbnut that doesn't seem to understand that Notre Dame does in fact have a shot to win this game and I think they will. We'll get there. But I don't need money mucking up my already excitedness. But I wouldn't say not to bet Notre Dame in this situation. I I really, I don't... Then we're going to get there. There's a lot of reasons and evidence to say Notre Dame's going to have a shot to win this game. But there are things USC does very well. Most of it via Caleb Williams. And most of that is because they lost Travis Dye, unfortunately. I actually like that guy. Well, not when he went to USC. When he was with Oregon, he was a cool guy. Then just he put on that that ugly red and yellow outfit. I'd call it a uniform, but it's like an outfit. Uh, and I didn't like him anymore. So there you go. But USC has pretty much run through a lot of teams. Um, not surprisingly, teams such as Rice, Fresno State, Arizona State, Washington State, <clears throat> Excuse me, Colorado. They also beat Cal and Stanford. Now Cal, uh, we actually, I think, their game was close against Cal, a six point game. I think we played Cal a little bit better than they did, but there, <clears throat> there's some comparisons to be made there. However, they did beat Stanford 41 to 28, and we did not. But again, people want to point to that game. You lost to Stanford, we beat him. That's true. There's no defense for that. That happened. I can't deny it. I wish I could because then we'd be in a way different situation. But the fact of the matter is with that game, I will put that on Tommy Reese <clears throat> as long as that game is brought up. There's no reason for Drew pine to have thrown 27 passes in that game. Zero. When you have two dudes combining to average 6.7 yards a carry and you're basically electing not... Neither one of them had more than 10 touches. I think uh was it, estimated 9, Digs had 8, or the other way around. Whatever, it was 9 and 8. Like, come on, man. Just pull your head out of your ass. Win the game. I don't care. It was like 2018 Ball State all over again. Well, we got to see if Brandon Wimbush can pass the ball. Well, guess what? He can't, and we're about to lose. Luckily, we pulled out the Ball State game. We did not pull out the Stanford game. And USC fans want to hang on to that game as if that defines our season. Meanwhile, completely dismissing and ignoring the Clemson game. And when you bring up the Clemson game, well, Clemson, that's just a name. They're not very good. They're not very good. They're they're living by their name. Well, they're top five rush defense says otherwise because those are actual stats. It's not... They don't make up the number because of the name. And we seem to have no issue running all the fuck over them. So I don't know why you think your... Where are we at here? Your 60th ranked rush defense is all of a sudden going to be world beaters and stop Notre Dame. I don't understand that. You know, and... For reference, there's uh, one team we played that has a, outside of Clemson, that has a better rush defense than USC, and that was Cal. We ran for 147 against them. Okay. Right behind USC is UNLV, and we ran for 223 against UNLV. And maybe I haven't figured that out. If you're in the same class as UNLV, you're probably doing something wrong. <clears throat> Trust me, we know. We were hanging out with Rutgers in the red zone defense. Like we get it. There's certain teams you don't want to be associated with. UNLV being one of them. But they you know, they want to focus on the Stanford game, and that's that's why USC is gonna beat Notre Dame, because you couldn't beat Stanford and we did. Wonderful. You gotta take all things into consideration. For example. You are beating these teams, Rice, Stanford, Fresno State, Oregon State, Arizona State, Washington, Utah, all these teams. The average rank for the past defenses you have faced was 86th. I say you, as if USC fans are listening to this shit. You're probably not, so I won't say you because I know you're not listening. The average past defense that USC has faced this season has ranked 86th in the country. Our pass defense ranks 115th in the country, or 115 ranks 15th in the country. They have not even come close to facing a pass defense like ours. And if you remember, so, you uh, well, you know, have you faced anybody? You haven't faced Caleb Williams and Jordan Addison yet, have you? Well, correct, no. Caleb Williams only plays for USC and Jordan Addison, was uh, bought out, and now he plays for USC. Which, by the way, could that be a topic? Like, Lincoln Lincoln Wright is amazing. Turn the, turn the whole program around. Yeah, it's pretty cool. You go out to L.A. and you get all this money and start poaching everybody else's roster for all their good players. It's like, you didn't rebuild nothing. You went out and bought all the stuff you needed. Like, this is not built from scratch. You took, I, I can't even think of an appropriate analogy. Like, I just, he literally bought the team and picked all the well-put-together guys and put them on the team, and now they're winning football games. Shocker. But they're like, you've never played Kay Williams and Jordan Addison, have you? Well, not exactly. But we did play C.J. Stroud and Marvin Harrison, and C.J. Stroud had a stellar 223 yards passing. He did have two touchdowns. And Harrison was a whopping five for 56. That's not good. Well, wow. that's just that was game one. This is game one. You know, since then, you know, Ohio State just lighting the scoreboard on fire. Forty six and a half points a game, best in the country. Yeah, no, and they only had twenty one against us. You know, nothing crazy, just twenty five points below their scoring average. So whatever. Well, it's game one. Well, okay, fine. You're right. We did play North Carolina, who has Drake May, who's got the most. Passing, rushing, combined yards. Passing. He's leading the country in a lot of stuff. Well, he's just a freshman. Well, maybe so. But that freshman, up until garbage time, when they were down 25, he had a whopping 104 yards passing and two touchdowns. When they got Josh Downs, remember Remember how good Josh Downs is? Yeah, he had five catches for 32 yards. I was impressed. I'm not going to lie. That was impressive. All five catches for 32 yards. Yes, they're going to say, Oh, May Maynard with 301 yards. Yeah, in the last half of the... What? Three quarters of the fourth quarter, whatever the hell it was. He added 197 yards to his number after they were down 25 points. Cool? Like, when the game mattered, you had 104 yards and two touchdowns. Chill out. And then we played Zay Flowers last week. That did not go well. But... I'm going to let that one slide a little bit. Yeah, Flowers was 3 for 46. Moorhead's not a great quarterback. You know, so, like, there's that. And then they're going to say, well, well, you know, you can look at the past defenses USC's faced, and yeah, maybe Notre Dame is better, but their numbers are inflated too because who have they really faced? C.J. Stroud and Drake May just said it. And the numbers weren't great. But fine. Fine. We'll go through every team Notre Dame has played. And what you end up with is a couple of different things. You end up with... We've played four teams that rank 35 or better in pass offense. That's what we're trying to say. is The teams we've played have been absolute garbage. So therefore, how can we possibly... Uh, we're not any good. How can we possibly... Stop, uh, Caleb Williams, because all of our numbers are inflated. We've never played anybody like Caleb Williams and USC's offense, but that's that's the problem. That's not true. So you had we played four top thirty-five passing offenses, which are Ohio State, UNC, Cal, and BYU. They argue whatever you want against Cal, BYU. Fact of the matter is, as it sits today, they are top thirty-five. Passing offenses. Those with the three o one from Drake May. If I give him all his yards, they averaged two hundred seven yards and two touchdowns against Notre Dame. I don't think that's good. Do you? So I don't. I don't think that's special at all. But if I take out the ninety seven one ninety seven, excuse me, garbage time yards. Of Drake May, where he only had the 104 when it actually mattered. I'm just doing that. Obviously, it's hypothetical. You got to include the 301. I get it. So 207 and 2. But if you take out the garbage, 197, 157 and a touchdown. That's what these top quarterbacks are doing against Notre Dame. <laughs> like, calm down. Not to mention that the pass defenses, on average, again, the best they've faced so far, USC, is 33rd which is Fresno State. But l- listen to these numbers. I'll tell you, I will told you the average of 86. Listen to these numbers. These are the rankings for the pass defenses they've faced. 56, 80, 33, 70, 97, 97, 69, 104, 123, 106, 118. Well, God, I hope Caleb Williams ha- is averaging 300-something yards a game if he's so- supposed to be so good. When you're playing teams ranked 104th, 123rd, 106th, sixth, one hundred eighteen against the pass, like what are we even doing here? And then uh, Notre Dame's against pass offense, which they want to. Wow, that's inflated, super inflated. No, it's not. <laughs> Notre Dame has faced, on average, the 61st best passing offenses, which is 25 spots better than. There's a 25. There's a top 25 ranking in between. The past defenses USC's faced and the past offenses Notre Dame has faced. And I went ahead and took out Navy. Navy ranks 130th. Now, again, the 61 includes everybody. But Navy ranks 130 because they don't pass. Like, that's a little misleading. There's nobody on USC's roster uh, schedule that their numbers are, like, extreme to one direction or the other because of a triple option. Or something. So I took out Navy, and that puts Notre Dame at 54 in terms of uh, the average pass, uh, de- uh offenses they faced. So now all of a sudden, and I'm I'm using it. I don't care. Now 32 spots difference. So for these idiots that are talking about, well, you've never faced Caleb Williams and uh, Jordan Addison, you don't even know what you're in store for. Well, guess what? You've never faced Isaiah Foskey and the Amendola brothers and Riley Mills. And uh, who the hell am I forgetting? Uh, why, why am I spacing right now? Howard Cross. And uh, a, you're going to know all about the Benjamins, baby. Benjamin Morrison's about to tell you what's up. Because he's lighting the world on fire right now. And just to. It goes both ways, you dumbasses. You morons out in California that are. Just, hey, man. Hang loose, bro. Hang loose, dude. What? There's a football game today. Are we good this year? I'll go check it out. Yeah, that's why they're there. Because they're good this year. <laughs> Guess what? Notre Dame fans care. 4-8, and 12-0, 9-3, whatever. We're there. All day, every day, every Saturday. Make Saturdays count. I'm going to get there. I'm not going to interrupt my little spiel right now with some Saturdays count stuff. But... All of a sudden, they care. I'm like, you're. God, I want to punch you in the head. But I can't, so I'm going to sip beer. That's all I'm going to do. You idiots. You can't say, you never faced Caleb Williams and Jordan Addison. And then when I point out how good Notre Dame's defense is, and you've never faced us, well, <laughs> good luck. Like, they've got nothing. Oh, you lost to Stanford. Yeah, we did. Uh-huh. And if you watch the game, you would understand that it's not – necessarily on the players themselves. It's not a, a talent or ability issue. It's a coaching issue. And that's happened more than once this season and I feel like it's getting a little ironed out. The Navy game was not awesome. But Boston College was awesome. I still... Yeah. Jimmy, 25 times. It's too many. I know you asked the over/under. It's still too many. I don't like that. It needs to be around 20 or less. That's that's the home run spot for Drew Pine in passing attempts. Uh, but just you can't I can't give you all this data that says the top passing teams we've played have 207 yards passing and only two touchdowns and you say well that doesn't mean shit why not because you're a USC fan you're actually good this year and I say fan but your fandom is fair weather hang loose bro Get her done. Well, that's 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 country. You know what? Maybe Lincoln Rylan brought some Oklahoma. who's like, get her done. they are like, hang loose, man, dude. All right, bro. Go to the beach, man. Gonna hit the waves. God, those are fuck them guys. Fuck them. Can't spell suck without USC. So, and but these passing offense, they want to speak so. Oh my god. Oh excuse me, our passing offense is tremendous. Uh UNC's was better and is better. Same. And we know how that went. It out there. You know, we score, we score so many points. It's like it's un- we're unstoppable. We averaged 43 points a game. We're number three in the country. You know who's number one? Ohio State. You know how many they scored against us? 21. You know who's number 15? North Carolina, you know how many they average? 36 and a half. They only scored 32, but really 20 before garbage time. Clemson, they rank 20th in points per game. They average 35 a game. You know how many they scored against us? 14. And why do I bring those three teams up? Because those are the three ranked teams, and two of them are in the top 10. So, before you want to get all high and mighty about your points per game and your passing offense and your this and your that, maybe, just maybe, go look at some stats you might be shocked in what you find out. But that's... It's too easy. Stat, see, stats aren't fun. Because stats are, are based on factual information. And it kind of just puts puts a real wrinkle in your narrative that you're trying to portray that USC's unstoppable and there's no way Notre Dame can stop them. Don't have a chance in hell and blah 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 Because you're full of crap. Like... It's, again, Notre Dame has played legitimate opponents, and we've held our own. Yeah, Marshall and Stanford happened. I get it. But the beauty of that is, and I put it on Twitter. You can't really type it all out. But, yes, Notre Dame did lose to Marshall and Stanford. But we also beat the ACC champ, regardless of who it is. And both games were won pretty convincingly. And I believe we're going to beat the Pac-12 champ this Saturday. And... What that means is, yes, Marshall and Stanford suck. That's awful. We can't have that. But that I didn't buy into the whole first year thing, but that kind of makes sense now. Because how do you lose to Marshall and Stanford then completely dominate UNC, completely dominate Clemson, completely dominate BYU, who on the passing side of the football, the stats are still holding up. Dominate them. We're going in a direction that's good. Because when they say, well, you lost to Marshall and Stanford – yeah, we lost. We beat Clemson and North Carolina. We used to not be able to say that, okay? What it used to be was, hey, you lost Ohio State, Clemson and North Carolina. Yeah, but it, we we beat the other teams. Who cares? The other teams sucked. Like Syracuse seemed nice at the time. Have you seen Syracuse? I think they've lost 5 in a row. I I I'm saying that sarcastically, they have lost 5 in a row. They're that win means nothing. BYU, great. Not anymore. There's some angles you can take on it, like I said, the passing side of things. But at the end of the day, the only three games of consequence to this point were Ohio State, North Carolina, Clemson. We won two of those. That used to not happen for the last 12 years. So we could be sitting at 9-3 and three with those three L's, and what are we supposed to sit here and go, well guess what? <laughs> we beat Marshall and Cal and PYU and Stanford and UNLV. We're gonna flex on that. Oh, forgot about backup college in Syracuse. Excuse me. Like in Navy, like who cares? Nobody cares about those games. They care about Ohio State, Clemson, and this year North Carolina, and we're two and one in those games. It's different. Embrace it, love it. Don't like it's beautiful that we get to. Yeah, they can shit on us for Marshall and Stanford, and they're going to because if the roles were reversed, you would too. But at least we have something we can rebut them with. We have a top ten win, at the time top five, and we absolutely dominated them. And uh, come Saturday night, we'll have a top six win, and that's not. What we're used to. Marcus Freeman is figuring this out. And the head coach thing, I look at look at his time as a defensive coordinator last year at Notre Dame. It started off really rocky, right? Florida State was sketchy. Toledo was sketchy. By the end of the year, we were going, and then the only time it kind of flopped on us was a Fiesta Bowl. But again, there's so many things happening there. He was trying to be the head coach, and is he really, how much is he involved in defensive coordinating? And it's a, a lot of stuff happening. It looked great, and then we blew it, and it's like, what happened? We are going in a right, good direction, okay? And let's keep that good direction humming all the way to Saturday and beat USC. And I don't care that they have, their are number two in the country in yards per game with 513. And you know, forty-three points a game, and all—all all their numbers. Because there's things you can look at for Notre Dame. You know, they have not played a defense like ours. They just haven't. And the only spot where I feel like Ooh, is our red zone defense. Hey, it's gotten better, guys. We're not last anymore. We're 126th. So that, so there's that, and that is a spot I'm concerned about because you. USC can move the football, obviously. We have to either continue this turnover thing or just hold them to field goals. That's got to be what it is. Now, our red zone offense is pretty decent, 86% success rate. We have to keep that going. We've got to keep that going. Uh, I, you know, We average 191 yards a game on the ground, and... USC's defense, rush defense, isn't that great. They suck at the pass, but I don't. That's that is not going to be our our formula for success. Maybe we we can get away with some passing, but I still don't think uh, for a lot of reasons passing is going to be the way to go. Uh, because I don't have that much confidence in Drew Pine, but I also think USC's offense is. The numbers show that they are legit. Can we keep them in check? Absolutely. But the more opportunities they get, you're increasing the chances of something happening that they have shown they can do. You know, hit a big play, explosive plays. So running the ball is going to limit their opportunities and we should be able to run the ball effectively enough to keep them off the field. That's going to be part of this, right? Because, like guys, the, the numbers that matter... They're third in points per game, second in yards per game, seventh in passing yards per game, even forty-sixth in rushing yards per game. It's not like they're uh what last year it was it was a stupid number. It was they averaged almost four hundred yards passing per game and less than a hundred yards rushing per game. It was ridiculous. But they're they're not balanced but better. Um rushing yards per carry, they're actually fourteenth in the country in yards per carry. I look at that too, because you know, they're rushing forty-six in the country is not terrible. I mean, we're only thirty-first, but uh, their yards per carry is five-point-four. That's significant, you know. And their red zone uh, success rate is sixty-six in the country. Maybe we can stop them there somehow. Would love to see it. Wouldn't hurt. But their whole offense is going to run through Caleb Williams. Okay, You can talk about Jordan Addison. We can't talk about Travis Dye anymore. He's done for the season, unfortunately. Um, they have had a running back fill in for him, Austin Jones. Um, he's done all right. Uh, just call called what it is. The last two games without Travis Dye, he's got 194 yards, six yards of carry, two touchdowns. Added eight catches for 96 and a touchdown. So he's useful, right? But the whole thing runs through Caleb Williams. He's there, Without Dye, he's their second-leading rusher. He's got 7 touchdowns rushing, but he throws for 316 yards a game, 33 touchdowns and only 3 picks. That's a pretty good ratio. I mean, you he literally doubles Drew Pine's yardage. Obviously we run completely different types of offenses, I get it, but just for perspective 316 a game, 33 touchdowns, 3 picks. The guy's averaging obviously less than a, a what point whatever interceptions per game and three touchdowns a game. Like, that's crazy. He has been sacked 20 times, which is roughly twice a game. So, maybe there's something there. But I think that has more to do with he is a runner to an extent. He likes to run 316 yards, 3.6 yards per carry. Sack yards are included in that. So, when you look at his... Uh, his rushing numbers, you have to fa- remember that he's been sacked 20 times. It, just, it changes the dynamic. And the sacks have lost him 161 yards. So, just he's rushed for a positive 316. And if you add in the <laughs> 161, all of a sudden he's at 477. And that would make him the leading rusher without Travis Dye. So, he's rushed forward for like 477 yards. The guy can run. But I think the 20 sacks... Are a combination of getting sacked, um, and also his uh, running around, moving. He's willing to be mobile, and ultimately that can lead to sacks. And you take some sacks; it happens. How are you doing, sir? We got a. Uh, hey, come here, come here. Hey, hey we're, we're doing uh, this is very live on the fly. Who do you know who Notre Dame plays this weekend? No we play USC. And you know what we say about USC? I'm going to let you say this. Even though you're 7, when people talk about USC, you say you can't spell suck without USC. <laughs> and then you say go Irish. So say say it. Say it. Go, come on. This is live. This is happening right now, buddy. You're on my podcast. Say you can't spell suck without USC. Go Irish. Okay. All right, I'll be done soon, okay? okay. Love you, buddy. <laughs> and just like yesterday, that interruption was brought to you by Royce Palkovics. Love that kid. Anyway, see, that this is what you get with 5 foot nothing. You get unexpected interruptions because I'm just at a desk in my bedroom and can't lock the kid out. So here you go. Uh, where was I? Oh, Cameron uh, Williams, leading rusher, yes. Um, the, the guy's taking sacks partly because he, he's willing to run and just leads to some sacks. So I think there's an angle there. Um, then they're going to, you know, like Austin Jones, I talked about him a minute ago. Uh, he's decent. It's not, we can't completely dismiss it. He's not Travis Dye, you know, but that's why they brought in Travis Dye and poached him from uh, Oregon because the guy was a stud. He was super productive, I mean, between uh, rushing and receiving, you know. But you look at their receivers, and they got receivers doing all kinds of things. Obviously, you got Jordan Addison, who, by the way, somehow was a Bolitnikoff finalist. And is that just because he won it last year because his numbers don't really hold up? I mean, they're not bad. I'm not saying they're bad numbers. It's just compared to other Blitnikoff, uh finalists, his don't really match up. He's got 51 catches for 765 and 8 touchdowns. Um, like I said, that's good. But Zay Flowers is better. Josh Downs is better. Uh, Harrison's better. By the way, we've played all those guys and they haven't done anything against us. Just throwing it out there. <laughs> I'm going to say it again. But those those are facts that USC fans don't want to hear about. No, 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 no. Can't do it. But their next leading receiver is uh, uh, Washington. Uh, 36 for 549. But the two guys that... Or three guys really that stood out to me. Obviously, those are your two guys. Addison and Washington. Look out for those, right? But then you've got Mario Williams and Kyle Ford. Mario averages 18.8 yards a catch and Ford is at 20.2. They are clearly your, your deep threats. And that's who we got to look out for because I don't think we're going to have Cam Hart this weekend, guys. And that... That puts um, I don't even know how that's going to go, but uh, obviously Bracey will step in, and he's been playing good this year. But then you got to have a, uh, Clarence Lewis or Mickey out there, and um, you know Clarence Lewis has shown uh, some some glimpses uh, throughout his career. This year, not quite as much. Obviously Benjamin Morrison took over as the starter, and I don't know what what the plan is. Is is Benjamin Morrison going to be? I uh, I I think Notre Dame just sticks to your your side of the uh, formation. Like they don't there's no following of it's not like a Revis Island situation where he's just gonna follow Jordan Addison around and quite honestly I don't think you need to. He's not doing it like fifty one catches over eleven games, it's not anything you gotta woo look out. He's got four catches a game, or almost five, whatever. But uh the deep, the deep threats is what I'm – I'm worried about those explosive plays because we've done a great job of keeping things in front of us. We can't let – I say we've done a great job, but we've had there have been some big hitters, right? But Williams and Ford, 18.8 and 20 yards a catch, man. That's something to look out for. And then there uh, – was it Bryce? Brandon Bryce? Brandon Bryce? Or Rice, excuse me. Brandon Rice. He's their slot guy. He's got to be despite being 6'3". He's got 29 catches for 12.8 yards a catch. He, those are short routes, all things considered, right? That's something we got to look out for. you know. But again, this whole thing is contingent on getting to Caleb Williams, making him uncomfortable, getting some sacks. Uh, the guy is uh, elusive, and he makes plays on the run. I'm sure if you search Caleb Williams, throw... Or whatever on Twitter, just something uh, involving passing. Whatever You're going to see some crazy throws. And most of them come on the run. The guy can play. There's no doubt about it. The guy is good. We have to knock him around, knock, knock his dick in the dirt, as my high school football coach used to say. You don't want him to do it again? Knock his dick in the dirt. Then if he wants to get up, keep knocking his dick in the dirt. Eventually he's going to not want his dick knocked in the dirt. He's going to hate it. So just keep doing it, legally of course. So it, it, it all runs through Caleb Williams. Like, it just does. And the thing is, his numbers look great, but he's got some clunkers in there. He's got some clunkers. Yeah, you can't deny it. You look at his stats. This is from most recent to, I'll just do the start of the season. Just the, the yards. Let's go through them real quick. 249, 341, 284, 180. 348, 188. 381, 411, 360, 268, 470. So all these numbers, they they jump off the page and they they look great. And it's like, wait a second. Did you say 180 and 188? Yeah, I sure did. And you're probably thinking, well, they must have been against their the better uh pass defenses. No, they weren't. They were against Washington State, one hundred eighty eight, and Oregon State one eighty. And the Oregon State game, if anybody remembers, they won seventeen fourteen, and Oregon State was kinda Coming down to the end, but they are ranked 70th and 97th against the pass. They're not good, and he went for 180 and 188. Now, I I didn't watch the game because I was probably asleep because they play on the West freaking coast, and you can't watch that shit. It's kind of annoying, but in those games, uh, you know Washington State 188, but he's only sacked one time. He did he throw any picks? He didn't even throw any picks, but it just his numbers weren't fantastic. Oregon State, where they escaped 17-14, he didn't throw any picks either. Just not great, but and they only sacked him twice. So it, it, there's nothing that jumps out. It's like, well, why were his numbers so low? He just, just didn't have a good night. This is what it is. So that he has that in him. Now, having said that, since the Washington State 188 game, it's been 381, 411, 360, 268, 470. It's been pretty solid. You know, but I just, we have to get to him. We have to make him uncomfortable. We have to frustrate him and, you know, see what happens. You know, but, but a lot of this is going to be on our defense, right? It's got to be what are we doing on defense? Make it happen. Uh, these, keep things in front of you. Don't give the big plays. Benjamin Morrison, step up. Be a hero. Be the hero that you have been the last few weeks. Uh, special teams, Brian Mason, where you at, my my guy? Come on, block a punt. There's ways we can win. And, you know, I want to talk about that. So there's definitely ways Notre Dame can and will win this game. We'll get to a prediction. Don't worry, guys. Hang tight. And this this one's going to go long a lot of reasons I'm off like <laughs> I would say I got nothing better to do but I finally could like sit down comfortably and do this but it's USC they're 10 and 1 we're have the opportunity to ruin their season and put us at 9 and 3 and maybe some chaos happens and we get blessed with a, a new year 6 who knows right but this game is important um, it's a rivalry game it's two brand new head coaches Lincoln Riley, Marcus Freeman, meeting for the first time in this rivalry. Like this, this game is big, and I, I want to give it its due. So we're gonna do this. But you know, Notre Dame winning, uh, is it's gonna come down to. I hate to say this, because he's he's a good guy, but it's gonna come down to limiting Pine. As a passer, that's just you can't let him be. You can't have him throw twenty-seven times. It can't be Stanford. Cannot be Stanford. It that is not a formula for success. I'm telling you now. If you don't watch a game, <clears throat> you just go to look at Drew Pine's numbers, and he's got twenty-five to thirty passes. Probably not a good sign. I think he needs to be under twenty. That's the home run spot. He needs to be under twenty, because why? If you got him under twenty, you you have the opportunity. To just, you know, use your boy Estime and Diggs. And every time Estime gets the ball, I I don't think they'll do it in the Coliseum. But, you know, you can have a little... Yes, sir. A little sound. somebody once told me the world is gonna roll me. Get a little estimate pounding heads being a snow plough and maybe just maybe we're onto something. That's what I think. Uh you get that and then you mix in digs and I think I found a song for digs. You know, I and you guys may have heard it, I don't know, but I, I kinda like it. I feel like he's so versatile. He does all these things that I like. He's elusive, he's got moves, his balance. He's a great pass catcher. He he does all these great things as a running back. Like this Like that. Everybody trying to be like me. Trying to take my trying to take my I go. I'm stand my in peace. Everybody trying to be just like me. I feel like that's a good way to describe Estime. You watch him play. Now that we've had 11 games, you look and you're just like, man, like if everybody's got their own thing, but Diggs has it all. So I get why he starts now. I still wish Estime would get more run in the like first few downs. Seems like it takes too long to get in the game, but. Man, Diggs like everyone, everybody trying to be just like me, cause I can catch, I can run, I can juke. I it, even his blocking has gotten better. It's not great, but Diggs and Estimate are going to be the answer. And Tyree, Tyree's kind of a he's he's smaller. He's he's really got his own little niche. But here's the thing, yeah, we can't have Pine throwing twenty some odd times, right? Thirty one personnel. Guys, I've been talking about it, and we finally saw it, and I realize it's not... You can't keep having all three running backs on the field at the same time. That's the beauty of our, quote-unquote, three-headed monster. Everybody take a drink! Ah. The beauty of it is they're all fresh at all times. Nobody's being overworked. But putting... Like, there's so many plays, and all of them involve multiple running backs on the field. Like, it was Tyree and I think Estime, initially... It was like a fake inside handoff to uh, Estime. And then, boom, hit Tyree on like a little swing flat thing. Beautiful. Last week, it was Tyree in motion. I talked about it on the recap. Tyree in motion. And look, are we going to pitch it to him, hand it to him? No, we did a fake little thing to Estime. Digs on a wheel route. Boom. Beautiful pass. Beautiful catch. We need more of that. That's the kind of stuff... That's gonna beat a team like USC. Their defense can be had. You know, I don't think I talked enough about their defensive numbers. They're 52nd uh, points against, 88th in yards against, 102nd in pass. Again, I don't know how much that's gonna play. 60 in run. I talked about that. Uh, however, and people score on them 80 percent of the time. But their turnovers are where they, they live. So their, num- their yardage numbers suck. They're not good, but they're number one in turnover margin. Number five in turnovers per game. They get over two turnovers a game. Now, Notre Dame is, but we're back to even, guys. Our turnover margin is zero. We have as many turnovers as we do, both uh, like, giveaways and takeaways. Same number. We're even. But we only average one takeaway a game. I had 1.2 to be specific but we got to be better than that. And this game we can't have turnovers and we got to get turnovers. But I feel like you can limit turnovers by getting that 31 personnel on the field not a lot a lot but more than just once. I think like a 5 or 6 times would be an awesome number for that setup. And you can't fall in love with Mayer. You got to let Colsey shine. He's trying to let him shine. We got to get Lindsay involved, some jet sweeps. The guy's getting open. Pull the fucking trigger. That's it. Style. Like, we're seeing Jaden Thomas. We're seeing we have talent at these other positions. We're limited at quarterback. So let's help him as best we can. Give the ball to Estimate. Give the ball to Diggs. Get it to Tyree in space. Find mayor, but not force feed mayor. Can't have that either. There's, and uh, I'm telling you, we're gonna see a Mitchell Evans pass. I, I'm gonna. That's my. Let me write that down. I'm gonna literally write that down so it's in ink. So when people find my notebook years and years later, like, damn it, fucking pal called it. He said Mitchell Evans pass against USC. You going to see your first Mitchell Evans pass versus USC. The tight end sneak will happen too. And we saw the little variation of it with a handoff to Estime. Beautifully done. We need the next evolution, and that's going to Mitchell Evans pass. What will it look like? What will it be? I don't know, but I'm excited for it. So that's, that's what we need. That's next. Just... If Tommy Reese calls the game like he did against Clemson, and mostly like he did against Boston College like we can beat these guys like there's no doubt in my mind you know it, it takes a leprechaun to bust a Trojan that, that's something everybody says like when you buy Trojans at the convenience store cause you're gonna get lucky the guy hands to you and says hey be careful it takes a leprechaun to bust one of these and you say yes sir but I'm a leprechaun so what do I do well, you just have to bust it. That's just what's going to have to happen. So, I don't want to go too much longer, but that, that's the formula, guys. Limit Pines passing. Get Estimating Digs going early, often. Mix in that 31 personnel and find your spots to utilize Mayer and Colsey and Lindsey and Styles and just be, be smart about it. We. This is not the game to try stuff. Now, I, 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 I shouldn't say it that way because I do want to see 31 personnel and I want to see Mitchell Evans passing, but I'm saying this isn't the game to... Let's, you know what? I'm, all of a sudden I have this weird confidence that Drew Pine's ready to sling the ball 30 times. That is not this game. No, sir. And you know what? Some read option stuff. That's been there. That That's on Drew Pine, though. That you, that you cannot put on Tommy Reese. If he's going to read option and... Pine's doing the wrong thing, giving it instead of keeping it. That's you can't blame Reese for that. He called the play, and then you got to execute that part of it, right? So, is there a dog dying in the in our neighborhood somewhere? <laughs> My gosh! Um, but I that's the formula, guys. It, it's it, it's simple and effective. We I don't I want to see some shots taken. But again, we just we can't just be taking shots to take shots for the hell of taking shots. We got to set it up, and and I look forward to that, you know. So let's get to the prediction. So I get to the Q and A, and we can all get out of here and have a happy Thanksgiving. All right. So USC has had some close games. They've scored a ton of points, as we know. But they've also won seventeen to fourteen. They've won. And they uh, lost 43-42. Now, Notre Dame, I'm going to say it again, is on a streak of 35-plus points in five straight games. If they go for six this Saturday, it will be a record. And that's still just... Seriously, dog. (laughs) Oh, my God. Um... that would be crazy cuz this is the this is the offense that could potentially break the record for most consecutive 35 plus point games. In points per game 37th, in yards per game 69th, passing yards per game 112, rushing 31. Yards per rush 49, red zone 42. But the the big ones. Points per game 37th, yards per game 69th, passing 112 and rushing 31. Nothing Jumps off the page like, Wow, that's a high flying offense. Because you look on the opposite side of the coin. You got USC who's ranked three, two, and seven and forty-six. Uh like I said, forty-six rushing, forty-sixth ranked rushing offense. But third in points per game, second yards per game, seven in passing yards per game. Like that screams, I can score some points. Hence the what are they what's their streak? Let's see. One, two, three. Oh, they only went three, but yeah. No, dang it. One, two, three, four. They're on a uh, five-game streak of scoring at least (laughs) 41 points. (laughs) But nonetheless, we have a very good chance, potentially, of setting a new record in Notre Dame football history. I don't know if we get there unless there's like a pick six or a block pond or something like that. I do think we can win. My prediction for Notre Dame versus you can't spell suck without USC is your Notre Dame Fighting Irish win the game 30-24. to That's what I'm thinking. And I think the difference is going to be some sort of special teams defensive play um, that sets us up with a short field. Um, I know the thirty that that tells you probably two field goals. Uh, you know we don't love that. Maybe we miss an extra point. No, don't 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 wish upon that. Knock on wood. Um, I just think we're going to. We've seen it too often this year. We get in these situations and we end up with field goals. Um, that's not great. But I I think we can get to thirty and. Offensively, you're they're gonna put up like you know what twenty-seven of those twenty-something of those points. I just think there's gonna be a defensive or special teams thing that happens, and I think Notre Dame wins thirty to twenty-four. And that is my prediction. Um, we will hold USC to almost their lowest point total of the year, which prior to my prediction would have been seventeen in a win. But that other than that, that's it. Like. Their point totals are 66, 41, 45, 17, 42, 30, 42, 45, 41, 55, 48. I I don't think they've seen us. So I'm 30-24. Go Irish. We're going to do this, guys. We're going to have fun on Saturday, and we are going to do it. Having said that, we got some questions that we got to answer. Cuz you can't spell suck without USC. Now, and before I get into that, I'm going to throw it in here now, you know, we're going to have fun Saturday and we're going to make a count. And you can make a count by going to saturdayscount.com, entering promo code ND5 and get 40% off your entire order. Do not buy a USC shirt. I will not approve of that unless you intend on burning it. Which I don't know if the guys want you to do that. But if, hey, if you're spending the money, I'm sure they're fine with it. Buy it. Light it on fire. Go, we made this Saturday count. Burn, baby, burn. Your call. It's your money, right? But seriously, go to SaturdaysCount.com. Only so many Saturdays. Make them count. Grace tagline college football history because it's so literal and we have to make Saturday night counts we got to we got to ruin their season we have to we have to make all these idiots shut up that all of a sudden there's fans that want to talk shit about stuff that doesn't make any goddamn sense when you throw facts in their face they're like well you lost to Stanford okay we also beat Clemson in North Carolina we haven't faced anybody like Caleb Williams and Jordan Addison actually motherfucker we have we've actually faced better but thanks for your input Maybe, maybe have a clue what the fuck you're talking about, bro. Bro, go by the beach, bro. I'm going to chill in the sand with my white claw, bro. I'm doing Irish car bombs. Enjoy your white claw. Let's get to the Q&A. All right. um, I should just lead in to my little rant with the the very first question, but I want to end with that because we're going to end on a rantific rantific end. That's a word. We're making it a word today. Alright, um... Clutch. I'm going with you, buddy. Clutch, you're up first. <clears throat> At Clutch Sports N First of all, he makes a statement that Die Hard is a Christmas movie. It's not. But okay. Agree to disagree. That seems very controversial. I had no idea. Um... And then he asked what my favorite Christmas movie is. But I'm going to save that one for the end. So, Clutch, you're going to get a, a, a twofer. I'm going to answer the ND-USC question, and I'm going to circle back to the fun one later. Uh, all right, so he also says, If ND beats USC, aside from Pine, who needs to have a big game? I don't even know if Pine having a big game is the answer. I think Pine having a safe efficient game is the answer cuz he didn't have a big game against Clemson and we won the big game has to come from estimating digs and a big play not like a big game but a big play from somebody in the receiver position again one pine does not or one pine one play does not make pine have a big game or be a hero but maybe Lindsay comes through with a big catch and Pine finds him. You know, I don't care if he get, does the Lindsey reach-around. If he can do the Lindsay reach-around against USC, break it out. I want to see a Lindsay reach-around again. That would be awesome. But no, it, who needs to have a big game? Uh, simply put, it's the running attack. That's who needs to have a big game. It needs to be very similar to Clemson. And Clemson is light years better defensively against the run than USC. So I don't see why we can't do that. There you go. Should Notre Dame be in the top 10? No. Oh, if, if they beat UNC or if they beat USC? Yes. Um, at, at that, because at that point, you are, and USC could very well win the Pac 12. And based on the way the Pac 12 has looked and the games they played, I, I would predict them to win the Pac 12. So if you've got Notre Dame who's beating the Pac 12 champ and the ACC champ, and yeah, they had duds against, uh, Stanford and Marshall. Now, like, what was it? Ohio State lost to Iowa that one year, like, 55-14 to 14 or something. I think that kept them out of the playoff or whatever. I think it did. I Don't hold me to that. But we're not talking about Notre Dame making the playoff because they lost to Stanford and Marshall. We're talking about top 10. That's the question, right? We're at 15 right now. I I don't see why not. Because like, the justifications for the five in front of us which are, let me find real quick, are Tennessee, Penn State, Kansas State, Washington, Utah. Like, well, if we... Well, Utah also beat USC. But we have three losses, and we also beat Clemson, who is sitting at number eight. We also beat North Carolina, who is currently sitting at 17. Utah hasn't done that. Um, Washington, they still got two losses. I just... I have a hard time, honestly... If there's a two-loss team, and we have three, and one of our losses is that crap Stanford team, I, it's going to be tough, but it's going to be hard to argue. We played Ohio State closer than anybody else has, assuming they blow the doors off Michigan. We beat USC, who's currently six. We beat Clemson, who's currently eight. beat North Carolina, who's currently 17. It's going to be hard to argue against Notre being in the top ten. But we're not in the SEC, so who the fuck knows? because that seems to be a really cool thing. If you're in the SEC like you get gold stars just for being present and accounted for. So should we be in the top 10? I think so. How insufferable will will I Why can I I said it right? How insufferable will I be? Very very like especially after today with these USC fans running. Oh, I bookmarked some shit. Bro. You you can't talk shit and then dismiss facts that make my point that Notre Dame has a chance to win this game and very well could win this game, and I predict them to win the game. Then you're going to be like, well, those stats don't mean shit. Why? Because a Notre Dame fan said them? I don't understand. You're You're not making any sense, sir. So yes, I'll be insufferable. Receipts galore. Quote tweet, a lot of shit. That's happening. So thank you, Clutch. I will come back to the favorite Christmas movie here in a second. All right, Regison 42, always coming through, always coming through, Regison. We've got a list here. We're going to go through this list. What's the greatest victory/slash defeat you've experienced when NDs faced off against USC in my lifetime? Yeah, you had to put defeat in there, didn't you? So I have to answer it honestly. Like I'm, I have to. I've told this story before and I'll tell it again the greatest victory and or defeat the fact that put defeat it has to be 5 the bush push it just has to be I almost got fired I was in college I was watching the game I did that definitely had a few beers um, had to go work at TGI Fridays and everybody in that building knew I was a Notre Dame fan it was no secret so after that game and I was right, almost, like, that game ended and I had to immediately go to work. I'm not happy, clearly, obviously. And I walk in the door, first thing bartender says to me, he's like, Hey, what happened? How about the Irish? Or something to that effect. And I wasted no time. I said, you can go fuck yourself. That was a bullshit game and just a lot of profanities. A lot of uh, not great things to say in the middle of a restaurant with people trying to eat their meals. So at that point, I was brought into the office and uh, was asked if I could uh, proceed with the evening under control. Because if I couldn't, I didn't have to work there anymore. And while I liked the money I was making and I liked the people I worked with, And he was just giving me a hard time because we were buddies. But I was not happy about it. I don't know if I was more pissed off about the Dwayne Jarrett bullshit where, God forbid, we look for the fucking ball. Thank you, Benjamin Morrison, by the way, for looking for the football these days. Tremendous. It's amazing what happens when you actually look for the football. Goddamn, you can catch it. Well, shucks. Who would have thunk it? But I was not happy about that. And then the Bush push that fumbled out of all this shit. And the last drive that led to Notre Dame not winning that fucking game pissed me off, then the first thing I hear when I walk into that restaurant is somebody giving me shit about Notre Dame and I went off on them. So that would be the greatest defeat I've experienced. Not awesome. <laughs> How many receipts do I hope to cash against USC fans when Notre Dame inevitably beats them on Saturday? A lot. I, I need to go back because there's some that I haven't actually bookmarked. I've I can find them very easily. There's been interactions. So I intend to fully cash in on all of that. It's gonna be joyous. Cause they think they're oh we're back, bro. We're back. Hey, lose, man, we're back. And then when they lose, they're like, wow, fuck. Alright, let's go to the beach. Football was fun for a minute. Remember that? Remember that time football was fun? We're gonna make it not fun. So, alright, uh, Now we got the fun questions, but before we get to that, i got to circle back to no suck with no USC. You know who it is, guys. How long has it been since USC beat Notre Dame? That's the Twitter account, at no suck with no USC. And his profile pic has the record. Notre Dame, 48 wins. USC, 36 wins. Win streak, Notre Dame, four. They have not beat us in, well, five years because we didn't play during the COVID year. So, that's awesome. So, at no suck with no USC asks, over under 10 accounts block me by the end of Saturday. Over. And the reason being is they seem to actually care. Even though they really don't. It's fake care. It's fake care. It's like, oh, we care because we're good. Oh, we lost half bucket. But, before Saturday, I think you can get yourself blocked quite a bit. I'm working on it. Haven't been blocked yet. But that's because I I, I'm i too sarcastic, I think. Like, I just... I make jokes, and I don't think people get too offended. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. I don't know. I've been blocked by a few people. I was blocked by a super soft Penn State fan. Holy crap. He was uh, talking about uh, Notre Dame should be ahead of Penn State, and arguing the wins and losses, and I'm like, we played Ohio State closer than you did. No, you didn't. Well, you lost by 13, we lost by 11. By definition, that's closer. You were also down 20... In the fourth quarter. That's well, a not how the game went. We're, but it is how the game went. Like, those are facts. He didn't like that, so he blocked me. But over under 10 accounts for no suck without USC. Yes, over. Go, shoot for the moon, buddy. You shoot for the moon and you just pick up whatever you get along the way. Go for it. I'm excited for you, buddy. Let's do it. Uh... All right, so let's get the I I want him to get blocked by everybody. Like seriously. Uh but now we got the fun questions, so we can wrap this thing up and start dreaming about our Thanksgiving dinners. Uh favorite Christmas movie. Christmas Vacation by far. It's not even close. I I I quote that movie often. And it's not even Christmas when I do it. Just, <laughs> just because. Like there's so many great <clears throat> moments in that movie. Just really nice. Like, it didn't have to be about an RV. Just really nice. Ah, he's just yakking on a bone. Just weird things that just come to me during my day, my week. And just a bit full, a lot of sap. I say that for just weird shit. Like when you're overwhelmed with something, like ooh, bit full, a lot of sap. It doesn't make any sense, but it does to me, and I laugh about it. So Christmas Vacation all, all day. Clark W. Griswold Jr. Go for a land World Speed Record. Hang 10. Let it rip. Later dudes. <laughs> like, uh, it's, it's a fantastic movie. All of it is just, just all of it. I just it's great. Christmas Vacation. We watch it every Christmas and if you're not you're doing Christmas wrong. That's all I'm saying. I'm saying. So, Christmas lock it in, final answer. Alright, what's the greatest or worst film you've ever watched? Or maybe he's asking both. Um, but I'm going to treat it like I did the USC one. What's the greatest or worst film I've ever watched? You know, I, I just, I'm a, a sucker for comedy. Like, and it's, there's I, I love Rudy I love the Back to the Future trilogies, um, I love the crap out of those, you know. Um, but I just go back to my childhood, and the movie I can never get past, and the fact that I'm an outside sales makes it even more hilarious. Is Tommy Boy, one of the greatest movies I will ever watch. It's it's Chris Farley and David Spade the uh, the comedic duos. The silliness, the, the outside sales—it is so relatable to me, <laughs> being outside sales now. The, the stuff you say to customers, and, and well, pharmaceuticals a little bit different, but the stuff you say to doctors and nurses potentially—it was way different. When I was in freight sales; that was more like what Tommy Boy was doing. I just, man, it, it was such a great movie. I'll never, I'll never get over it. It's hilarious, and I love it. Greatest. Or worst book I've ever read. Um, I'm gonna say greatest, and I I read it just a few years ago. Was Colin Cowherd's book? Um, You heard me. I think that's what the title. I forget the title, but Colin Cowherd's biography. Uh, That was awesome. It, It was really cool. And I'll be honest, reading it, I had some regrets in my own personal life to an extent because I'm doing this right. I'm 38. I'm doing this podcast. I was on radio briefly. But I I waited too long. And Colin Cowherd's book says that without saying it. If you want to get into radio and you wanna do that without being a I you know, a former player, you know, that that's the new trend. Like if you played you you know what to talk about and you could have a podcast and have a radio show and all that kind of good stuff, right? Well the Colin Cowherd path was bounce around the country like a ping pong ball and he started in Seattle, North Northwest US, then went down to Tampa, then went to Vegas, or maybe he went to Vegas first, but then, you know, here there, and then he ends up at ESPN at Bristol. And now to get the next step he's back in Los Angeles with Fox. You have to be willing to do that if you want to make it big in that industry. You don't not everybody gets to be Mike Greenberg and stay in his in his home. He grew up in the northeast in New York. He gets he gets to be there. Yeah, he went to Northwestern, Midwest for a brief minute just for college. You don't, not everybody gets to do that. Colin Cowherd did it the hard way. And that was an awesome read because it was something I was, man, I could have done that. And maybe I could have, but I, I waited too long. I, I chose my path early to, to do the sales thing. and But that was a great book. I dec- definitely recommend reading it, especially with the way I know a lot of you who are listening listen to podcasts and listen to radio and and. Stuff like that. It was a pretty good book. I definitely enjoyed it. Favorite season of the year. That's fall. Just for, I mean, football, Notre Dame football, obviously, like, speaks to me. But now that I'm in South Texas, man, spring and summer is just so damn hot. I love being outdoors. Don't get me wrong. Uh, Spring baseball is fantastic. You can do whatever you want in the summer and this and that. But we still play fall ball because it was just 80 degrees a few weeks ago here. And now, right now, it's what? I don't even know the temperature. But it's still wonderful. It was 68 degrees tomorrow for Thanksgiving. The high is 75. So I'll take fall down here every time you get football. We still get our fall baseball with the kids. And I get to go play golf and do all these fun things outdoors that you can't do when I grew up in New Jersey. Boom, fault. Asked and answered. Number four from Registon forty two. Yeah, we're doing all these, buddy. Is always Irish Inc. John Kennedy always Irish. Give him a, a listen. I'm sure you guys do. You need to. He was a I said it multiple times. He's a big inspiration. What started got me started on this thing. He me and him are very like minded to an extent. He gets more angry than I do. But whatever. Is Always Irish Inc secretly Frank Leahy reincarnated because of how passionate he is about the team we all love? Hope you don't take offense to this, John. He very well might be. Like I said, he gets way more passionate than I do. I'm passionate, but he just brings it up a notch. And we all love it. We just, we love it. We love it, and it's fantastic. Um, It's funny, real quick, while you're talking about the greatest... Book. I'm sitting there looking. I haven't. I started it. I haven't finished it. But I'm reading a book about the Beastie Boys. That so far so good. But I I can't say it's great because I haven't finished it. But that's something I'm. I'm trying to get through. Um, But now we go back to. No, that was all of them. Look at me go. Answered all of them. So yeah, we got Christmas movies. We got books. We got movies. And uh, we got Notre Dame uh, winning on Saturday is what we've got. So after they win, so I'm going to do my Irish car bomb pregame. Because of course you do. But when Notre Dame wins postgame car bombs, and I might, hey, to answer your uh, question, how many receipts do I hope to catch? I might just tag all the USC people. That might be fun. But I don't know how I don't want to cause too much ruckus. You know, we'll see. Maybe I'll let let everyone else do that tagging for me. I don't know. But post game car bombs are happening, because Notre Dame will win 30 to 24. Write it down. Mitchell Evans will throw a pass. That's written down, underlined twice. That's happening. But guys, thank you for sticking around for hour and a half. Greatly, greatly, greatly appreciate it. You can show your appreciation by going to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're listening. Like, share, all that good stuff. Get notified every time I post these. And also, I'm going to conclude, go to SaturdaysCount.com. Get your t-shirt. 40% off the entire order. Only so many Saturdays. Make them count. Let's make this Saturday count. we got to do it. Let's go. Alright. That's it. Happy Thanksgiving everybody. Go have fun with the family. I will see you on Twitter. Go, Irish, be Trojans. Five foot nothing, hundred nothing, out.